0: from champa bay this is now who's ready to light the lamp here's casey hudson and kaylee Myzel.
1: What's up guys? Welcome to Pucks and Bolts, a brand new Odyssey original podcast analyzing the Tampa Bay Lightning in their quest to further cement this team as a dynasty. Pucks and Bolts will bring you in-depth insights of games and practices as well as storylines of your favorite players and coaches every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. But first, to be sure... Conveniently download that Odyssey app, hit the auto-download button to stay up-to-date on all new episodes or stream from any of your additional favorite platforms. I'm Casey Hudson, joined by my amazing co-host and Bolts Nation's favorite, Kaylee Mizell. It's time for us to dive into this new, fabulous Pucks and Bolts episode. Kaylee, what's going on?
0: Here we are Hi, again. He- yes, this is so exciting. Another NHL season is upon us. And it feels like just yesterday that we were talking to the players and and, and going into game six and talking about the Stanley Cup final. And, um, you know, it's just been such an incredible ride over the last few years. Um, I am just so thankful to be a, embraced and a part of Bolts Nation. Um, and so excited to have you guys along on this podcast Casey, uh, you already know this very well because I talk about it all the time, but this is my favorite time of the season. It is fall.
1: Mm-hmm. It is
0: pumpkin spice season. There, <laughs> pumpkin bread season. It is hockey season. It is football season. It is MLB playoff season. It's the best time of the, this is my Christmas. This
1: <laughs> That's is a great. What about that?
0: Um, so I'm hype. For this time of year, I'm really excited to see what this Lightning team can do. They have a lot of their pieces back, with a few exceptions that we will get into. Mm-hmm. Casey, I know that that we're going to get into some off season stuff and a, a lot of things planned in pucks and bolts. So, fans, be sure to like Casey said, uh, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and definitely be sure to download that Odyssey app. And Casey
1: how are you doing? And then also like, should we just get into this? I'm, oh, so, I'm so ready to get into it. As you know, I, I'm battling a little bit of a, of, of a throat, yeah, uh, strep throat. It was a long weekend, but we're good. We woke up and did all the honey things. And so if you guys hear me fade out a little bit, it's just that it's that time of year we're juggling football, hockey, all the things. And, We're just excited to be here. So I'm awesome, considering the circumstances of fatigue and sore throat. Um, And, yeah, I'm so ready to get into this because something that just adds to the excitement here on Pucks and Bolts is the fact that this is the the Bucks – are no, the Bucks, excuse me, guys. The Bolts are celebrating their 30th season. So big happy birthday to these guys. That's a big birthday. I know what I did for my 30th. And hopefully they top that with some great games and, and, you know, maybe another Stanley Cup at the end of this. Who knows? Um, So with that said – The beginning of this 30th season went down Madison garden last night, uh, facing the Rangers and Kaylee. Unfortunately, the first stat that I have to report here is the fact that this team, your favorite bolts have fallen to the New York Rangers in the last four contests in the regular season. Not to to start with.
0: (laughs) Yeah. They lost three, one last night. And, um, There were times where the Lightning looked like they had control and that Mm -hmm. they looked like they were playing within their system and that they were really like owning the ice, owning the puck, um, really, really creating great spaces and even some really good opportunities and looks. Mm -hmm. But it just fizzled out in the third period. And I don't know how much more I can say other than like, yeah, it just really kind of fizzled out like there's, I'm going to, I'm going to like go, I'm going to be I'm put on my nerd glasses here. I'm going to like nerd out with you guys with some, some of these statistics. So Casey, let's just get right into it. I'm going to talk about the bad things first, because oh. I, I just want to kind of get into that because I think that there are a lot of good, a lot yeah. of good pieces, a lot of things to build off of, but the third period was, it was pretty atrocious. They got outplayed by the Rangers really? in the third period and We had seen this happen a few times previously where the bolts just are not standing their ground when they're, when they're playing against uh, a team that is fast, a team that Mm -hmm. that comes out and is like punching it in your throat type of type of team. And you know, the, this is a team that is going to have some bumps in the road. They lost some big pieces. So yeah. we're going to get into how that impacts the game. But defensively speaking, Casey, in the third period, they just didn't have it. And I yeah. think there's there's some new guys on defense. They brought in some guys. And they're still kind of figuring it out. They're still – it takes some time for this team to gel. I remember when in the 2020 season – the Buck or excuse me, the Bolts were not doing us like they weren't doing the best job. They weren't terrible, but mm-hmm. they weren't like what everyone expected them to be after this historic year and then the sweep and then they come in and a little bit off to like a rocky start to mm-hmm. start the year before the Sweden trip. And, and Sweden was a game changer. <laughs> people were calling for like John Cooper's job though. You know what I mean? Yeah. This was so I, I think it's really easy to, like, push the panic button way too soon. This is a veteran team. They know how to turn it on. They're going to figure it out. This is one game. So I'm not I'm going to get into some of the negativity, but like, let's not push the panic button with this. But defensively, it was not a super sound game. And I think that that goes to show that you're really missing a guy like Ryan McDonough and and what he provides on the ice. You're missing a guy like Jan Ruda and what he provides on the ice. Casey, what did you think about that third period? And defensively, what did you think about what was going on on the ice?
1: So, so glad that, that you mentioned this, because for me, watching the game, it's not, it didn't particularly start in the third period. It was more something that, that balanced out from what started to dwindle down in the second period. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the shorthanded goal by Zibane, Zibanejad, I always screw up his name. He, I think that kind of started to take the wind out of the, the Bolt's sails there a little bit. And then at that point, you know, the Rangers kind of kept the Bolt's on their heels by pushing them into these power play situations. And I said this before, you and I talked about this last season a little bit, is – while stammer is your guy while cooch is your guy while point is your guy you've got to kind of have one of these young guys step up on the power play and be able to capitalize it can't always come down to stammer point and kucherov to get the job done even though they do um so i think them not being able to execute on power plays aside from one really kind of shot them in the foot and then that energy started to translate from the second period into the third period third period opening up you know new york comes out and racks up a penalty And so at that point, maybe the bolts thought that they had an opportunity and they did not capitalize on a power play opportunity once again. So last season, we saw that whenever they'd get these power plays and special teams didn't show up, and I got a chance to talk to Braden Point about it this past Saturday after their last preseason game. He was saying how, yeah, special teams is a crucial part of this game, and if you can't turn those those moments into points, it's going to hurt you. And that's what I saw last night. So from the penalty opportunities they had from the first period to the second period to the third period, that's where they just started to get scattered. They got pushed out of their style of play. They lost their simplicity, um, and at some point, it just didn't even look like they were playing their game Mm -hmm. at all. So not capitalizing on those power play opportunities is what I personally saw was a huge, huge issue. Um, as exciting as it was that they did get one power play goal, thanks to Stammer, of course. Uh, They have to have other guys that can get the job done, or they've got to be able to set up Cooch, Point, and Stammer to execute when you get those opportunities. Looking at the game, it looked like, oh my gosh, the Bolts have racked up way too many penalties, but truth be told, it was the Rangers that had six penalties to the Bolts four. So how do they get six power play opportunities and get one goal out of it?
0: Yeah, and, and that's a, a situation where it's it's going to get hot and it's going to ebb and flow. I mean, the, the guys talk about this all the time. So I, I don't expect it to be hot right off the bat, but you do have to capitalize. And something that John Cooper talks about quite often is is the defense. And defense comes first. Defense bleeds into the offense.
1: Mm-hmm. And something
0: that I, speaking of special teams, was, was frankly unimpressed with was – the penalty kill not only do you let up a shorthanded goal yeah. you also allow you know a a a a power play goal and so um you know the penalty kill i mean that not both of those stats are obviously penalty kill stats um but when you're when you're when you're on the power play and you're not controlling the puck very well which they didn't again it goes back to Missing a guy like Anthony Sorelli. Anthony Sorelli is out with shoulder surgery. We found out this July. Mm-hmm. So they said, Julian Briesbois said that he could be out from anywhere between like four to six months is usually how long that, that it takes to recover from shoulder I think they he's going to return in December. Yeah. So, I mean, that's going to be quite some time, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it 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 doesn't bode well because Anthony Sorelli is such... He's so good on the penalty kill. He even he has contributed on the power play. He is such a good shutdown forward. Like he's such a defensive minded forward. Yes. They really missed him. But not only did they miss him on that side, but Casey, they missed him on the dot in the face off circle. Him and Steven Stamkos are two of the very best guys at faceoffs. And mm-hmm. part of the reason that the Bolts had a really hard time. Controlling things during the power play, on special teams, during the penalty kill is because they were not winning the faceoff. They were yep. not winning the faceoff, and, and that's where that, success starts. And that really, really shot them in the foot. That is in part what allowed uh, both the shorthanded goal and the power play goal. Just not having possession, not being able to get control of the puck, not being able to get control of the game. And, and that really did shoot themselves in the foot um, with that. Now, on that penalty note, this is a team that they're a veteran group and they just have to be better with penalties because the reality is, is that they were the second most penalized team in the yeah. entire NHL last year. That's not a good stat. You, you don't, don't want to carry
1: that trend into this year.
0: <laughs> no, you have to play – a little bit more structured. You have to play a little bit more sound. Don't take the errant penalty. And and like you said, it's not that they took an insane number of penalties tonight. I think that they took one too many, mm-hmm. um, but in comparison to the Rangers, but they also just didn't capitalize. Now, again, that's going to take some time. The special teams power play. It's going to ebb and flow your penalty kill though. needs to shut down. And if you are on a power play, you cannot let them get a shorthanded goal. Those no. are two biggest miscues. Bigger than even not scoring on the uh, power play. It's like you cannot let up a shorthanded goal. No. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is, is you got to be tighter in that penalty kill. You really do. Now, looking at the flow of the game, and I'm going to stop talking after this, Casey, but they did have a pretty good penalty kill. And that is what, in part, I think sparked them. To get that first goal, they had a penalty kill. It, it looked really well. And then they had that power play goal from Steven Stamkos. Just a beautiful shot by Stammer uh, from his office, a one timer. It's what you would expect from Steven Stamkos. Really, yep. really glad that he did that. And kudos to Brandon Hagel for being Love for it. just, I mean, putting himself in harm's way. He, he got those two penalties, right? Like he got Mm -hmm. both of those penalties, um, to allow them to have that big power play, uh, where Steven Stamkos scored.
1: Yeah. And as you mentioned, it was, it it was Stammer that kept them in any sort of a game versus the Rangers last night. And with that said, you know, Stamkos collected his 182nd power play goal stats that you would love to hear from, from your captain. Um, but I'm glad that you mentioned Brandon Hagel because kind of taking it back to the top there first period, the bolts came out fast. They had that fast start that we always expect from them and that they themselves hold themselves accountable to have uh, every single game. It was interesting, you know, because I don't know how long it's been Kaylee since you really got a chance to see Stamkos point uh, Kucherov, Hedman all in and, Vasi and, and all start on the ice together. Granted, you know, you've know, got newcomer-ish uh, Cal Foot who's starting to kind of find his feet underneath him in a, in a larger role with the Lightning here. But it was great to kind of have that, and I think that helps set a tone early for them to know that you've got all these guys healthy and ready to contribute out the gate. Um, but as you mentioned, it was Brandon Hagel that kind of took the spotlight for me last night because you saw this kid everywhere, involved in every play. He was playing So well, his forechecking game was so great. And what I like about the fact that he was contributing on the forecheck very consistently, very strongly, is there was a lot of games heading into playoffs last season, where you were looking at a team that the previous season was one of the best forechecking teams in the league, and they really just kind of lost that. They were struggling to have a consistent four-checker in their lineup, and Brandon Hagel was coming from Chicago, known as a scoring kind of guy. Then his role kind of had to change and adjust here, and you and I discussed that. Now he's more of a defensive-minded player. They're really utilizing him as a two-way player, which is necessary because they were great. They were a balanced attack team on that two-way when they had that really electric third line, and I think they're still kind of trying to find their footing with the loss of you know, Gordy. Barkley, Goodrow, and um, Coleman. So I think Hagel's really starting to come into his own. Something else I noticed is that him and Nick Paul, we kind of saw some electrifying chemistry moments between them in the playoffs. And now what I'm a big fan of is that game one of the 30th season, they're kind of picking up where they left off. They had a great chemistry. They were feeding off of each other. There was a play where Nick Paul was really taking it to the goal or to Shusterkin, if you will. And as he almost got a goal, you have Hagel right behind him to pick up the garbage and try to finish and, and, and clean that up and execute it. And there was a couple times that you saw that, you know, that that pressure applied to Shusterkin and that follow up by Hegel. So, I love the fact that he was all over the ice last night. I think that he is just starting to find his way in this system and that he's going to be a big contributor, especially with Anthony Sorelli out until, you know, roughly December there. So, that was Something that gave me a glimmer of hope. You saw that in all three periods. This kid had a motor on him. Even when he drew in two penalties, he got an unfortunate one-two slap from the Rangers, from Miller tripping him to Barkley Goodrow, shoulder, like hitting him in the shoulder in the face. And that's where the Bolts were able to finally capitalize. Hagel draws in two penalties, sends Miller and, and Goodrow to the box. It's five on three, and Stammer collects his 182nd power play goal. So as you mentioned, there's some good spots here. Um, It's consistency, you know, it's playing all three periods, it's finding your footing, it's not allowing a fast team. And the thing with New York that's dangerous, and I think that for the past couple of seasons, at least in my personal opinion, the Bulls have always kind of struggled when you go against a team that not only has speed, but physicality. Um, it's typically kind of a one-sided story when they go up against a super physical team or a super fast team. I think they figure them out a lot quicker, but they're always kind of pushed on their heels when they go against speed and physicality. And New York has that. I mean, Reeves back there, you know, that this guy just wants to rough up anybody, if you will. And, McDonough was this guy who not only blocks shots and and really sacrificed his body for his team, but he could lay it on a guy if, if necessary and push against the boards. And Eric Ternock started his career that way. Really being more of a physical defenseman, really being a stay-at-home defenseman. He started pushing up a lot more in the last season and a half, um, and playing, you know, above his blue line, if you will. But not having, you know, multiple physical guys in this defense. Luke Shin was another one who would body up a guy. So now yeah. they've kind of lost that physical depth in their defense as well as that that those guys that will sacrifice their body. And this all brings me back to Brandon Hagel because, Kayla, you said an important thing. This kid yeah. was blocking shots last night.
0: He had three. Yeah. He had more than Eric Chernak. Like, imagine that stat. Right? He had more blocked shots than Eric Chernak had last night. That's wild. This kid really was putting himself in like harm's way, right? To, to get out there. And Casey, to your point, you have to have people stepping up like that. Mm -hmm. Like Ryan McDonough took a ton of blocked shots and he knew how to take them so that he was not going to get hurt and injure himself, which
1: sometimes he would and he'd come back and you and I'd be
0: like, how? how what is happening right and then anytime eric turnak had a block shot it was like you're holding your breath because he had so many block shots where he did get hurt and i don't i'm not blaming him i'm not saying that that's his fault but there is like a beauty and an art to taking a block shot and 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 taking it on like the fatty part yeah. of the part of your body so that you're not getting you're not damaging yourself you're not hurting yourself you're not going to put yourself out first for a certain amount of time brandon hagel went in there and is just taking blocked shots and i also Mm -hmm. also have to give a a shout out to Steven Stamkos because he also took three blocked shots last night so kudos to those guys i agree with you brandon hagel is is a really interesting guy casey uh, I'm going to throw it back to you. I, I want I want you to tell the audience what you said to me earlier about Brandon Hagel and the way that he has transitioned his play mm-hmm. on the Lightning team, because I found that to be very interesting.
1: Oh my gosh. Yes. Because you know, as you mentioned that, I mentioned, um, Hagel, his role with the Blackhawks was a score. I think somebody said that he had like 33 goals and was just starting to build that frame out of his career. So you thought that he was going to be, you know, that guy, a, a first line, second line guy that really executes and, um, uh, gets pretty on the power play. But then he comes to Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay just lost this electric third line that no team could compete with in the league. And now you're trying to fill those shoes. Um, So what I do like about Hagel and his adjustment is that when he first got here, I think it was very obvious that they were changing his role. Um, Right off the bat, I was excited about this trade because I'm like, oh my gosh, they're going to get another scorer in this lineup, not realizing that they were going to kind of mold him into more of a two-way player with a defensive focus. And so, as I mentioned earlier, they weren't having much success on the forecheck. You know, Alex Clorence coming off of one of his career, like career, top career, Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Stats, statistical yeah. years. Yes, thank you. Drawing links here so I'm losing my voice. And so in <clears throat> the fill-in is where you would see kind of colorn try to help out with the forecheck, but his size and his frame, it's not really his, his game, if you will. And that was all put on the shoulders of Anthony Sorelli. So getting Hegel up to speed to be able to do that, I think what helped get Hegel into this role and make it more of a, a seamless transition is the fact that this kid loves physicality. He is in on hits. He doesn't mind throwing a guy against the boards. He gets chippy and he's, he's stronger than he looks. And so I think that the lightning analyzed this and processed this before he even got here and was like, yeah, we can turn him into the two way player that we need there. And he's starting to really find his legs. So I think it's the fact that he doesn't fear contact. I think it's the fact that he's fast, which typically you're like, yeah, we want him scoring, but he uses his speed to get on top of players to then body them up and really kind of pressure them against the boards there. He's really good with his hand-eye coordination and keeping his stick on the puck when going up against these guys along the boards. And I think that that's something that he's just going to grow with even more more. Um, cause that was something that was so attractive about Yanni Gord is the fact that he was fast and he was a fly people, just many nicknames that you had for Yanni Gord, just because of the way that he played, he got on you. He stuck to you. He irritated the heck out of you. And oh, I yeah. think Brandon Hagel is about to be that guy.
0: Oh yeah. Well, if you're, if you're comparing him to Yanni Gord, he's going to be a good bi- guy in my book and in all of Bolt's nation's book, because that kid is loved significantly getting into while they do have some guys that are coming up and and really trying to be those defensive minded guys casey i'm going to i'm going to drop some stats your way because
1: mm-hmm.
0: there was some there was some confusion on my not confusion but there was it shouldn't have played out like it did because whenever you look at the high danger scoring chances oh the rangers had Four high danger chances in the first, two in the second, and four in the third. The best chances that the Rangers had were in the first period. And these are two really, really good goalies. And that's what we saw in the first period last night. Both teams came out hot. Both teams put up some good shots against each other and both goalies, did not allow those goals to come through the expected goals for, for both sides in the first period was one like statistically speaking, (laughs) how good of a shot it was the dangerous chance that it was, was that that that's that goal should have gone in at least one goal on either side in the first period, but it didn't. So that's telling me, okay, well, these goalies, they're just superior. They're just they're just doing their jobs really great. The second period, you know, of the high danger scoring chances, neither team really like you don't really there. There wasn't one that you really expected a goal from Um, none of the chances were statistically speaking that fabulous. Um, And then you get into the third period. The Rangers have four high danger chances. The Lightning have zero. The Rangers completely. I mean, you look at the, the way that like Corsi goes and like the stats and stuff, the advanced mm-hmm. statistics for the first two periods. I mean, it's like teetering the line, right? Like it's, it's, and in fact, it's kind of on Tampa Bay's favor, the, the Corsi line is, right? Like the shots yeah. that are taken, where they're taken from, and, and all that, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's Tampa Bay is getting more high danger scoring chances in the first two periods than the Rangers are comes to the fourth. to so the third period, the Rangers have four high danger chances and the lightning have zero and you just can't play like that. And the reason why that happened is because it, it's kind of like what we've alluded to, but like, they didn't have very much control in the neutral zone. They had mm-hmm. way too many odd man rushes. And that showed. And so even though of the four high danger chances, statistically speaking, like they should have only had like 0.78 goals. Like even with the high danger chances, they should have only had 0.7, that's not even a goal. They shouldn't even have one (laughs) goal even with the four high danger chances. But here's here's what happened, they scored two goals and that's because there was some lacks in the defense. Mm-hmm. And that's what that tells me. It that's that's not, you know, Andre Vasilevsky, he he's not out here not blocking.
1: No, he's no, doing, he's, he's doing his, 36 of
0: 39 shots. He's doing his job. In fact, again, statistically speaking, he saved 1.74 goals above expected, so almost two goals more than statistically speaking he should have been able to save he did save this yeah. is a fantastic goalie but then whenever you look at the fact that they had they allowed four high danger chances they got no high danger chances and then they let two goals in when really statistically speaking they shouldn't have
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's where things really start to break down it, it, it really did start to break down in the third period um, they were just getting outplayed the Rangers were controlling the puck better like I said they they really were controlling the neutral zone and Casey, those odd man rushes
1: really really impacted the we'll Bolts. Kill them every time. <clears throat> and we saw a lot of those issues kind of um honestly in playoffs. You know, while playoffs were exciting and they still kind of made it pass all the way to the Stanley Cup final, it was the games where the odd man rushes were out of control and unmanageable that, that the that the Bolts would lose the game. Um something that you would think would be a focal point heading into this 30th season here. And just kind of like to add to those amazing stats that you mentioned and really puts a lot of things into perspective there. Um how I kind of talked earlier about how for me I I felt like the the slide, uh, the falling apart, if you will, started in the second period. It New York outshot the Bolts thirty nine to twenty seven, and and in some circumstances that doesn't feel such at large. But they started that includes them taking advantage or starting to gain an advantage sixteen to eight in the second period alone. So yep. the 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 they started to lose that fast pace, that fast start that they needed to kind of contain. And when they can at least come out fast period by period they put themselves in a better positioning but you're right statistically you 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 wouldn't even bank on them scoring let alone you know being in this in in a three to one loss there but you can't always rely on bassy um even though he's a superhuman superhero he had made multiple big saves last night and i don't think that bassy is ever really that guy that 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 falls to fatigue, if you will. A lot yeah. of it is the, the vision of his defensive players learning how to line up in front of him. And that's where they really heavily rely on a guy like Eric Tronac, Eric and, and Bassey have this rhythm to them where, you know, Eric can play tight into Vasilevsky and still contribute to blocking pucks and um, getting his stick to move pucks out of harm's way. So it comes down to these, these, these newer guys, you know, what I liked about some things that I've seen out of uh, Myers already and flurry. <laughs> Flurry for sure is that um, I've seen I caught a couple of of his games when he was in the Kraken jersey and something that I liked about him that I think that maybe it's just him getting more acclimated with this team is that he's got really keen puck handling skills in front of the net. He's not one of those guys that just quickly tries to eradicate the puck from, you know, the danger zone. He tries to manipulate the puck to actually pass out to get a play going, start moving back up ice. And I think that's something that's a strategy that can help this team so that they're not always just trying to clear the puck. They're moving the puck up and they're starting to get organized. They're starting to find their structure and lead up the ice, you know, with a purpose, with intention, with pressure. So I think it'll be great to see him get more situated in this system. Um, I know a good amount of people that are pretty big on Felipe Myers. Uh, so this is another guy who we just need to see get groomed into the system, but worth the really losing out on is that defense. And it can't come down to Victor Hedman, you know, Mikhail Sergachev got a little shaken up in the preseason. So it was great to even see him on the ice. Uh, Coach Cooper did mention days ago that, you know, he'd be fine and ready to go. They didn't want to put him, in any kind of wayward predicament in the preseason because it's preseason it doesn't count um so great to have him back because when he gets going and this is a guy that we want to see get going he is equally contributing to shots on goal as a forward or you know a really sick winger he was up there in the 140s last season for shots on goal mm-hmm. or you know attempts if you will and so what's funny is that last season people felt like Sergei kind of fell off. And I would say that he didn't have as much of a dominant presence on the ice, but equally as effective when it comes to his statistics. So this defense needs to find their rhythm within their pairings. And I think that if they can kind of tackle that early on, that the next couple of games will look a bit different for this Tampa Bay lightning team.
0: For sure. For sure. And it is, very early in the season, there's a lot to build off of. And so moving on to uh, our cherry pickers for the game. Hey, Casey, <laughs> I got to go. I mean, I can, you could go two ways here. I'm going to go. I'm going to go backbone. I'm going to go backbone. I'm going to go Andre Vasilevsky because like Love I said, I mean, almost two shots saved above average this is a guy and and i know that that he wasn't pleased with his performance he is very very hard on himself yeah um, but you know there there wasn't always great play in front of him i think he knows that i think they know that um but this is a guy that comes out he has a fantastic routine and he's really good at what he does so andre vasileski you're my cherry picker i know that the the, the game didn't go how we wanted to go but you did your job you contributed between the pipes and uh, we appreciate you
1: i know and you rarely ever see a bad performance out of this guy it's Weird. he he can always be in the category of a cherry picker so i love that pick you can never never vote against andre vasileski um I mean, as if it's not obvious. <laughs> Kaylee and I have have another show together, and I think everything I do is so obvious. But um, my cherry picker is got to go to the kid, Brandon Hagel. I'm really excited about what he's gonna what he's gonna do, um, how he's gonna continue to grow in this in this new role, in this different role. And if he becomes a guy that can defend and score, watch out, NHL. I'm just really excited to see how he continues to flourish in this in such an exciting. Um, in such an exciting lightning team and roster. And I think he's well on his way to doing that. And if he starts feeding off a Nick Paul and we see Nick Paul build off of what he did at the end of the season in playoffs, I'm all about a dynamic duo. I'm all about a little bash bro situation. So that's what I'm hoping comes from, from these two, but uh, yeah, definitely got to hand the cherry picker off to Brandon Hagel for me. It's, it's a no brainer.
0: There has to be honorable mention to the captain, Stephen Stamkos. Who got the one goal for the lightning on the power play? Steven Stamkos is an incredible leader. Um, and, and he does a lot in the room. And he he yeah, there's there's a lot that you can say about him. I, I think that he's gonna have another fantastic season. I'm excited to think about it, but Casey getting into some of the off-season news, they they do have guys like Steven Stamkos back, they do have guys like Pat Maroon back, these guys uh-huh. who are fantastic leaders who, who really own the dressing room, but a guy that you're going to miss his presence, both on and off the ice is Ryan McDonough. We already alluded to it. Ryan McDonough is a guy that, I mean, Pat Maroon got a little teary eyed and said, I'm going to miss him. Mm -hmm. I'm going to miss that guy. Uh, You can't replace what he does on the ice. You can't replace what he does in the dressing room either. Just the way that he is able to be that that more subtle, silent leader. He will call things out. He will call meetings whenever he knows that those those meetings need to take place. Yeah. Um, and he's just one of those guys that they really are going to miss. And you think about on the ice, what they're going to miss. And it's not just the blocked shots, Casey, but this is a guy, when I talked to him last year, I, I asked him, what makes you why do you fit into this defense and this team so well? And his answer to me was that he is he's basically old reliable. He yeah. plays structured, he plays dependable. You know where he's gonna be, he plays within the structure of what the team is doing. He's old, reliable out there, and that's a guy that you need. And somebody's gonna have to step up and be that old reliable for this team this season on defense. Because while you have some fantastic defenders like Victor Hedman, like, you know, should be in the Norris conversation almost every single year. Oh, yeah. Um, but he 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 doesn't play defense the way that other people do. He's mm-hmm. not as structured. He's not your typical defenseman. He's going to get up. He's going to play up. He's more of an offensive defenseman. Yeah. Um, and he he's a big body. He's going to move all across the ice. And so you're going to have to find somebody who's going to be able to emulate to a degree what Ryan McDonough did for this team. And he did so well, which mm-hmm. is just being sound, being structured, being that old reliable. Um, but he's not the only one, Casey. They also lose Jan Ruda and Andre Pilat. So it's going to be really interesting how how this shakes out. I'll speak on Jan Ruda for a second and then maybe let you get into Andre Pilat and what he brings to the table, what they're going to miss with him. But with Jan Ruda, he didn't have the most dazzling of stats. He wasn't this guy that you spoke about all the time. But like I mentioned before, Victor Hedman is so dynamic and he's, he's so interesting and different in how he plays defense that to be a partner with Victor Hedman you also have to be very structured. You have to know where you're going. And you also have to kind of know Victor Hedman well. You have to know what he's going to do and be able to read him before he goes and makes those moves. And Jan Ruda was able to do that as good as anybody uh, on this team or in this league has been able to do. He's a really fantastic partner for Victor Hedman, and they're certainly going to miss him.
1: Oh, yeah. And I think that's – a big thing to point out is the fact that Jan Ruta was the kind of guy that while he wasn't statistically high on the boards he knew how to play in sync with one of the most unorthodox players in the league Victor Hedman's just great to watch because as you mentioned he has this size about him he has this way that he skates he has this way that he punches up the ice so not having that guy that can 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 flow with such an unorthodox um and and big presence on the ice, if you will that's going to be an adjustment uh but as you mentioned it's it's Andre Palat too who's another big presence that this team is going to miss and the first thing that pops into my mind is playoff pally we're all going to miss playoff Mm -hmm. pally and yeah and and it was interesting because in the beginning of the season and this just kind of circles back to what you said at the top of the show Kaylee here on Pucks and Bolts is let's not hit the the alarm yet let's not let's not sound the alarm let's not panic because this team te- technically in in multiple seasons Uh, of the last four or five years haven't really started off strong it takes them a minute to gel it takes them a minute to find that chemistry but once they do they are a powerhouse to deal with and you know bubble wise it was Sweden where they bonded because they traveled together and got to know one another and then all of a sudden they were unstoppable and you know there's always these turn points so all that to say that last season people weren't too impressed with the stats that Pally was putting up they felt like he was off to a slow start they felt like he was having a lot of silent games and then all of a sudden he just dialed it up and He did it before playoffs. This guy played in 77 games, scored 18 goals, and had 31 assists. So he was definitely a big feeder on his line he was able to get the puck up and get it to the guys that you know are going to execute and i think that's something that might be slightly overlooked who are our feeders going to be this year when it comes to the tampa bay lightning because now with andre Pilat out of the lineup you're really going to notice how much he was feeding the puck to these guys and helping them push up the ice and you know it's going to be even more noticeable with anthony sorelli out until roughly december and and so on and so forth so there's some plugs here where guys are going to have to step up and take on a larger role especially until guys like Sorelli and Bogosian get back into the lineup but there's going to be a lot to miss about Pally he had the chemistry he had played for so long with Stamkos and Hedman and you know those unspeakable bonds that you have on the ice that's something that I love about hockey when you just establish a big relationship with a guy you have these unspeakable moments you just know where they are you can sense them you can feel them and there was multiple significant plays last season where you kind of look at something that Andre Palat does on the ice and you're like how did he even know how did he know that point was going to be there how did he know that Cooch was going to be there how did he know that Killorn was going to be there and it's just it's time So now we're kind of losing that time element that some of these players have had with one another, a lot more younger guys, a lot more new faces last year. It was already a bit shaken up with new faces this year. It's that much more. So it's going to be interesting to see who steps into that feeder role and strong two-way player. It's going to come back to the two way for me almost every time right now, because um, that's really where they started to lose out. And that role heavily went to Anthony Sorelli until guys like Hagel and, and Paul really started to step in. So Andre Palat, he was big for them when it came to being defensive. He was huge for them on penalty kills. And he was just this dark horse that never got enough credit until it turned into playoff pally, and now he's gone. So he's gonna be so missed. But with that said, Kaylee, while we're gonna miss so many of these guys, um Bolts fans and as well as Tampa Bay Lightning players and coaches, you know, offseason always comes with some new signings, some new yeah. signings. Uh, some newbies that are worth being excited about, so I think we'd be remiss not to mention the first big signing that happened shortly after getting knocked out in the Stanley Cup final to the Avalanche is everyone got on the Nick ball train. oh everyone yeah. saw this guy who's just everywhere and again, Somebody who can be everywhere and be physical, that's an exciting player to watch. And Nick Paul did that. He only played in 21 regular season games for the Bolts, scored five goals, nine assists, 14 points, but he contributed 35 shots on goal. I am excited about this. I need to find a different word besides excited. I get it guys. But (laughs) with the beginning of the hockey season and, and some of these players, yes, I'm just freaking ecstatic, if you will, but, um the signing of nick paul they made that happen very quickly kaylee were you surprised by this did you know it was coming i know you always have your ear to the ground with all things bolts um and they made this happen what a couple of days after the cup closed out
0: yeah and i think that, that that was for a reason i think two things nick paul wanted to stay here mm-hmm. they knew what nick paul could bring they knew what nick paul could be and they knew that his stock value had just risen significantly based on of his playoff performance. Julian Brisewell is incredible the way that he is able to finagle salary cap and figure out how to put this team together year after year to be competitive this year, but also like he said, in his press conference to start the season competitive in years to come. It really is a a fantastic way that he's able to do this. So I for sure expected them to, to resign Nick Paul um i was not surprised whatsoever and i was not surprised that they got it done very quickly because nick paul is a guy that really jived with this team just personally and and this is a team casey that you talk to the players you talk to the players families you talk to their wives and their kids they love being here and it's not just because of the sunshine and we live close to the water and it's beautiful. No, the way that this organization is put together, the way that the players interact with each other, they love it. They are big fans. Um, there's a, a good mix of guys that, um, you know, are a little bit older. They have families, uh, they mesh well, they're, they're just, know more a little a little bit more family oriented guys and then there's a really good mixture of guys that are younger and and are excited and are in our you know kind of like that young you know they they like to go play video games they're gonna you know you're gonna see them around at some of the bars from time to time like they go out
1: studios.
0: like they you know these are guys that and and so you have these dynamics and it all kind of fits together in this perfect mix and everyone who comes here wants to stay. Truly they yeah. do. So it did not surprise me at all that Nick Paul wanted to stay. And then it didn't surprise me at all that they really locked down Anthony Sorelli. I mean, yeah. put that kid on lock. Um, if you remember last year, whenever they were getting ready to do the expansion draft and they had to put certain players literally oh. on the, You cannot pick this player. Mm-hmm sorelli was one of those guys and so you just saw the writing on the wall this is a guy that they really like that frankly mm-hmm. i think anthony sorelli does not get the credit that he deserves i'm always mm-hmm. going to be a big anthony sorelli advocate the what he brings to the table in terms of the way that he is able to go against top lines and just shut them down and then how he contributes offensively as well it is so dynamic they have seen it. They know how special it is. They know how important it is. Mark my words, Anthony Sorelli is going to to win, start winning some awards soon. A lot yeah. of times, some of the the awards, the selkies and whatnot, they, they go to older guys. Um, and Anthony Sorelli is a little bit younger right now. And, and so I don't think that he's getting the credit he deserves, but he does deserve it. Mm-hmm. Anthony the guy that just goes out there and and he's really able to dominate play they're going to miss him for the first part of this season but when he comes Mm -hmm. back he's going to make a very big difference mark my words
1: Yeah, 100%. And you and I talked a lot about Anthony Sorelli in the playoffs uh, this previous season, because he was kind of one of one of my golden boys, if you will, you can always rely on Sorelli to get get the job done and to kind of go above and beyond. And, you know, 76 games scored 17 goals, 26 assists, 43 points contributed 146 shots on goal. So that just goes to show you that aside from the fact that he can antagonize the crap out of other players on the ice, um, he's really kind of pushing the puck forward and a big key factor in this team having great ozone success. And what I also really like about Sorelli, and, and I mentioned this on the JP Peterson last year, there's no replacing Yanni Gord. And I know I kind of made a small comparison between Brandon Hagel and, and Yanni Gord's role. But if there's anyone that kind of really steps into that, those shoes the most, it's Anthony Sorelli. His ability to skate fast, his ability to skate hard. He learned how to break, ladies and gentlemen. I used to love when Sorelli when first started suiting up for the bolts and he'd go full speed at the goal and end up in the goal oh, with the goal. So hilarious. now he knows how to just <laughs> now he knows how to just rip the shot, get the goal, and then go about skating on the ice. Uh, you know, head to the ceiling, feet to the ice, kind of kind of thing rather than being uh, head first in the goal. So it's just been really cool to see how much he's developed and and now being such a big asset to this team. And I would call him a star player, if you will. And I think you're right, Kaylee. He's going to be due in for some rewards here very, very shortly. Um, And while, you know, they're not going to have him to help be a key orchestrator on the ice until nearly December, that's where I kind of pivot to, uh, a con another contract extension that took place in the off season here. It was Mikhail Sergachev. I kind of touched on him earlier. Uh, he was getting a lot of slack for not being as, you know, explosive and, and dominant on the ice in the beginning of the season and kind of started turning up towards the end of the season, but something else to put in perspective in 78 games, he scored seven goals. That's kind of low in my opinion for Sergachev, even though he is a defensive player, but he got, he contributed 149 shots towards the goal. So, he what I like about Sergey is that he's almost similar, not similar but he kind of has this this unorthodox play to him almost like Victor Hedman. He's not afraid to get offensively involved. He's not afraid to pressure up and play behind the net and then get back to his position, you know, on the other on the on the D zone of the ice. But in the year beforehand, you saw him be a big big offensive player even though he's you know plays defense and stuff so having those offensive defensive players kind of have turned been turning points for this bolts team um you know the previous year playoffs not this past but the previous it was luke shin who started to play more of an offensive defensive role and help contribute to this team's success to collecting their second stanley cup uh back to back years. So I think that if Mikhail Sergachev, they see what he can contribute, they see how much he can kind of come back into his own and grow and maybe be have some similarities to a Victor Hedman. Um but he's back for eight years. And I I just want to know like, did you think that this was a great signing, even though some people were very hit or miss about how he was playing throughout this past season. Um eight years. That's a that's a big commitment. What is that 2040, 2031 or something? (laughs) <laughs> uh I don't I even think, know the
0: years I think it was a great signing I I agree with it yes there have there's been spotty play at times right from Mikhail Sergachev, but no one knows that better than Mikhail Sergeyev he's very hard yeah. on himself and the way that he studies the game um it's similar to Nikita Kucherov frankly I mean him and Nikita Kucherov are good friends yeah. Nikita Kucherov studies the game like no one else does. In fact, whenever at, at media day this year, I asked Nikita Kucherov how much film he watched and what what film he watched over this off season during training. And he said that, yes, he does watch film and that the film that he watches and the film that he specifically watched is a lot from this past playoff season, um, because he said that not everyone understands the importance of it and other people might overlook it. But he does not. Mikhail Sergachev is that kind of guy. He, mm-hmm. He's the kind of guy that he's going to be able to see things differently on the ice, which is why it, it, it's it's smart that you alluded him to a Victor Hedman style guy, because he is a little bit unorthodox mm-hmm. can do things. Now, he's he is very young still. Yeah. Um, he's growing still, but he has room to grow and he knows what he needs to do. And the bolts know what he needs to do and they're putting him in a position to be able to do it. Like I said, he's very hard on himself. Um, I think that there's times where, you know, he's, you you still see the young player in him and and maybe those mistakes. Um, And that's going to get better as he gets older and as his decision-making gets better as things become more natural for him, because right now, I think the reason why you see those mistakes is because he has a natural inclination to be somewhat like Victor Hedman, Mm -hmm. and then he's fighting that urge and the urge to stay structured. And so he has these two things, pushing and pulling, and sometimes there's hesitancy. Sometimes he doesn't know where to go. I think that's going to get better. I think he's going to pick, he's going to choose one, and then he's going to be able to give into that and um, really be able to move his game forward in a significant way. I think that he's going to have another fantastic year. I think it's a great signing.
1: Yeah, and really really great points and comparisons to look out for, especially leading into game two of the season and kind of staying on the defensive track for just a second. One of the other big signings in the off season are extensions, if you will. and there was no surprise here. It's Eric Turnak. Turnak is is one of his own back there in the back of the ice and uh, as I mentioned beforehand, when, when you first saw Turnak step up from you know Syracuse Crunch and and make his debut as a bolt, he was really just this muscle on the ice, and we know that there's certain teams that really just kind of like to have that designated muscle, and that's really just your role. That's something to love about hockey. Everybody has their role, knows their role, and there's no issue or bark about it. Um, but what was surprising about Chernak is while he was this muscle, while he was the guy that, you know, was really kind of egging on the fights on the ice in his first year and second year, that kind of started to, to – to switch up a bit he went from being a stay at home defenseman to having a lot more confidence pushing up the ice. I remember on one of the Zoom calls last summer I you know I asked him about it and I was like, you know, what's kind of led into you having this confidence and, and this desire to push up on the ice away more rather than stay back and kind of conduct things uh on the back of the ice and he was just saying that it's fun but he see he feels like he can contribute more and handle the puck more if he can kind of have those moments that he picks to step up loop around behind the net, come back and get into position. And because of his size and his build, he has these strides that do help him get north to south really easy. If you will, there's not many opportunities where turn gets beat getting back down to protect Vassy. So, He's in this developmental stage where he's kind of trying to find that sweet spot, kind of like you mentioned for, for Sergi. he's trying to find that sweet spot of being that muscle, but also being, you know, having his offensive defensive contributions. He scored a significant goal last year. He had 12 assists, 13 points and contributed 86 shots on goal. But there was, you know, it's those 12 assists that stand out for me for, for turn because those were, those were game turners where he got the assist, just ripping the shot from the blue line, getting it up forward, and then allowing a guy to get it tap on it to to close out and I think that there was a couple really significant moments between him and Killorn where that happened he rips the shot Killorn's there for the tip-in so great signing with Chernak it's going to be interesting to see you know what his sweet spot is in between the stay-at-home defenseman and the muscle and the guy that can play up sometimes very confidently and last year he battled probably the most injuries he's had he's had in his career he was only present for 55 games and there was that huge chunk of time from like november to january where it was just really unknown when was Chernock going to return this is also one of your key contributors on that penalty kill and i remember last night thinking to myself when the penalty kill came early for the bolts and it was on eric turnack a holding call so he heads to the box and i'm like this is going to be telling (laughs) how's this team going to function with Eric turn in the box. And they did very well. So another positive to kind of throw on top of last night's game and something to look forward to as they get ready to take on the Columbus blue jackets is, you know, it's not going to be so heavy one sided on one player or another, but for this team to be able to function when, you know, certain guys are out, that's going to be huge. And for them to excel that much more when your key players are in is going to be, um, a big factor of their success. So big fan of this Eric Chernock signing I'm sure a lot of fans are so happy to have him continue on. And if he can play more than 55 games, then that's something to be proud of and, and really look forward to. Keely, what do you think of, of Cherney and, and his contribution and growth with this team?
0: Yeah, I think, I think you put it well. Uh, Chernak is a big body. He goes out there. I mean, part of the reason that he was hurt so, so much last year is because he took so many blocked shots Mm-hmm. He's a really great guy. He's a really great defender. And I, th- I think it's a really fantastic signing. Casey, uh, getting you mentioned the Blue Jackets on Friday, kind of getting into a look ahead and then wrapping up our first episode of Pucks and Bolts. The Lightning will have back-to-back games on the road. They play the Blue Jackets and then the Penguins on Friday and Saturday. I believe both of those games are national games, so you should be able to catch them uh, on your uh, on your television. Um, but Casey, before we leave, we do have to talk about one other thing. The Lightning have suspended defenseman Ian Cole, who was a pickup in this offseason, pending the results of an investigation. There were allegations that Cole groomed and sexually assaulted a woman, starting from the when she was a minor. Uh, the team released a statement on Sunday night saying that Cole was going to be um, suspended and that the Tampa Bay Lightning and Ian Cole are cooperating. Cole is meeting with the NHL on Wednesday to uh, be interviewed and to discuss these allegations further. Um, the The allegations were anonymous from a woman on Twitter and spread like wildfire through. The oh my gosh. Um, she says, and for anyone who, who needs to know this, this might be a trigger warning, but she says, I was groomed by Ian Cole for four years, starting when I was a minor in high school. My first sexual encounter with Ian was when I was a minor in high school. He had been playing in the NHL for a few years at that point. So this is something that everyone is taking very seriously Ian Cole has come out and said um, that he denies the allegations. Um, He said that he takes them very seriously um, and that he is going to cooperate with the NHL and the Tampa Bay Lightning in the investigation and said that he looks forward to clearing his name. So obviously a really, really um, difficult thing there that, that is happening for all sides, of course, you feel for this woman who who is 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 out claiming that she is a victim. Um, mm-hmm. And as a female myself, you know, my my hesitancy is is to you know believe people when they say things like this. However, there is a due diligence process that people have to go through. So I'm really yeah. glad that the NHL and the Tampa Bay Lightning are taking this seriously. I would expect nothing less from mm-hmm. the Lightning there. They are a world-class organization, um, but we'll be very, very um, interested to see how this plays out. And of course, Ups and Bolts fans, we will keep you guys updated on the latest in that situation, like I said, Uh, as this episode is getting released, I imagine that Ian Cole is sitting down with the NHL Mm -hmm. right now to talk about some of these allegations that have been made against him.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I think you put it perfectly, Kaylee, and got all the, the information out there. And, you know, as Kaylee mentioned, as a woman, for one, um, anyone that has the nerve to speak up on something that, that made them uncomfortable, more power to you, um, and in the same sense, you have to honor and respect the due diligence of, of such a high class organization. They're going to get down to the bottom of it. I think we can always trust that. And when the facts and everything, all the information, when they can deliver the full, you know, story is when everybody will find out what happened, what's going on and and what, whether or not there will be consequences tied to it. So Kaylee, thank you for putting that so perfectly. Um, And also, you know, allowing the voice that that step forward to be heard while, you know, just letting everyone know that when we find out, you guys will find out. And um, I'm just aside from that news and that being part of one of the signings, you know, there's some other exciting guys a part of this team. All in all, it's the Bolts 30th season, and I'm happy to be celebrating 30 with with one of my favorite teams. And if there's anything I've learned about my 30s, it's going to be chaotic It's going to be graceful, graceless at moments, but an all-encompassing learning experience that should hopefully lead to a big, big reward at the end. I know I already feel like a winner in the midst of of this 30 journey, and I'm hoping the same for your favorite Tampa Bay Lightning team. Guys, if you have any questions, if you – Want particular insight for the game coming up versus the Blue Jackets. Kaylee and I love chatting with you on social, so be sure to send in your questions to us so that we can address it on the next episode of Pucks and Bolts. And Kaylee, we were so looking forward to episode one. We were so looking forward to talking hockey again. And for those that don't know, this is this is how Kaylee and I's beautiful friendship began. It was hockey, and here yes. we are. We get to talk it with you guys On a consistent basis now, and I'm really, really honored and excited to just do this with somebody like Kaylee. Uh, I hold her to such a high regard. Um, So much respect for her. Somebody that I've looked up to in this industry and I'm just like so proud that we get to talk hockey on pucks and bolts. It's nothing.
0: Yes, Casey. I couldn't have said it better. I am ecstatic to be doing this ecstatic to be doing it with you Of course. Thank you to the odyssey team for giving us this platform to bill to spencer our producer Thank you guys so much Download the odyssey app you guys for the best pucks and bolts Just turn on that auto download button on the pucks and bolts podcast All of those will come into your phone into your ears Anytime you wake up uh, over the next few days, we're going to get on a regular schedule and then we'll let you guys know what that looks like. But for now, this will be our first episode. We will have another preview episode coming out on Friday. So be, be tuned in for that, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Kaylee Mizell. You can find me at Kaylee Mizell. This is Casey Hudson. You can find her at the sports case. That's K-A-S-E. Thank you guys so much for listening and we we'll catch you next time.